pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Good evening and welcome to a very special edition of One Life Left, broadcasting live from the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. I'm Steve Curran. I'm Simon Byron. And I'm Anne Scantlebury. And we are delighted to be here. Look in front of a live studio audience as well. Should we say hello? Wow, wow. Thousands of thousands, yeah. Do you remember the last time we did something in front of a studio audience? Yeah, it didn't, it didn't go particularly well, did it? Was it was in front of a thousand Scandinavians. They said it was the most British thing they'd ever seen, so uh, you're, you're in for a treat. Thank you for coming. We're hoping to top that today. But it's not just us, so even if we let people down, there's other people to save us. And we've got five guests today. Wow. Five guests. And we're going to start uh, from right to left. Uh, as you look at it. Okay. Uh, with Lee Alexander, friend of the show. Hi. Hello, Lee. Hi, Steve. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling fine, Lee. How are you feeling? Um, I'm well. GDC is always kind of information overload and excitement. But so, so what brings you here? I'm a journalist. I'm editor-at-large at Gamma Sutra, um, and I cover the event along with my fine colleagues at the site. Okay, and how's that going? Uh, it's going well. Um, it tends to sort of be a blur, but um, I like to go to panels and write about them and uh, publish the panel write-ups on the internet. How, how many community. stories have you written so far? Uh, I want to say five. Five? Yeah, I did three today, four today. Which one, which one are you most proud of? Most proud of? Um, well, I guess the one I just came from was the um, Indie Soapbox, and um, it was uh, ten of our prominent indie developers sharing their ideas basically about um, what they see as opportunities for innovation or improvement or personal growth within their community. And um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I can hit publish on it by the time people are clapping for the talk. I'm sort of known for my speed in that regard. So that was cool. So that's Lee Alexander, everybody. Thank you. Lee isn't actually technically a guest today because this is One Life Left versus Gama Sutra, so she's almost part of part of the panel. Okay, part of the team. It part means we're going to fight, actually. Oh dear. Yeah, 
I might take over the show at some point. Okay, you're, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> so, Thank you for having me, Steve. So on to our, our, our first guest proper is, uh, is Evan Skolnick from LucasArts. He's a lead narrative designer there. Welcome. Thanks, thanks for having me. You, no, yeah. thank, you for, thank you for being here. So what brings you to GDC? Um, well, yesterday I presented uh, my a tutorial uh, that I presented for the last. This is the sixth year, actually, a full-day tutorial called Learn Better Game Writing in a Day. So I'm glad to have that uh, behind me because it's, it's a bit exhausting. Um, and I'm just here to see what's happening in the rest of the show. Do it's you, great, great to have your talk done the first day because then you can go and see everyone else, uh, you know, sweating it out. Is, is that talk that you... Is, you give that talk every year to you? This is the sixth year, okay. and uh, so every year so far. How's it, how, how's it changed over those six uh, years? Each year I, I update it. You know, uh, one of the great things about GDC is that as a speaker, you actually get direct feedback from uh, the audience, and, and you know, people are asked to fill out the forms. There used to be paper forms, and now it's, it's digital. And um, you know, based on people's responses, GDC uh, decides who you know, will come back. And, but you also get uh, handwritten or typed up feedback from people who were at your talk, and, and you get those, those come right to you. And so if you want to continually improve your, your um, presentation, you can you listen to that, that, that feedback and try to make it better each year. So that's what I try to do. You'd hope that people that have been to your talk would actually write, uh, even if they say anything bad, they'd still write it well. It's very well written. Yeah. yeah. Well, after the workshop, what would you expect? I mean, come on. It's not yeah. <laughs> does, it, does, does it not frustrate you that after six years, people still need help? help? <laughs> <laughs> Have, have they got any better? I, I still need help doing it. I mean, <laughs> it's very challenging getting, you know, great narrative into a game. There are a lot of reasons why, that, why that's so. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's fantastic. And, in fact, this year, I believe, was, the, well, was easily the biggest group I've presented to yet. And, and every year I ask, you know, who here has been to this tutorial before? And usually there's only a couple of hands, one or two. And this year there were no new hands. So every year it's a new group of folks who are interested in story and games. It's a, it's a topic that continues to be important to people and I think important to games. So, so, what, so what, what sort of things are, 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 are people able to do now when they're writing narrative in games that they weren't able to do six years ago? Hmm, six years ago? Well, I mean, I don't... I think the fidelity of the experience is becoming more and more cinematic. We're getting closer and closer to, uh, you know, photographic realism. Uh, and, and you see um, the hardware can support things that it couldn't support before, but... Fundamentally, the challenge of, of, of game writing hasn't, I don't say it's changed that much in the last six years. It's, the technology has allowed it to, do, to the higher end stuff to be uh, you know, more engaging, perhaps, visually. Um, and I think the, the voice work is getting better and better. And yes, the writing is getting better as, as more and more writers are attracted to this medium. But um, you know, fundamentally, there are some challenges to writing for games that, that continue to be challenges for those who do it. And have you got any examples of uh, people that have seen your talk and then have gone on to, to, to write games? Or I don't know if I get the chance to follow them along their path, but I, I do hear back once in a while. And I can't put to someone saying, yes, that's my, that's my pupil, and now he's you know, <laughs> wow. the best well, writer of yeah. games. I, I, I just, what I really try to do is just provide a, a common language. A lot of people who come to my talk aren't writers. They're, they're designers. They're producers. And it allows them to, to speak the same basic language that writers will speak. So if they hire a writer... Uh, they're not, not coming out of left field. They're all speaking the same language of, of you know, basically basic good fiction writing, which um, you know a lot of people who work in games just haven't had that kind of background. So I try to provide that all crammed into one very intense uh, you know eight-hour experience. I often say that if there's any sort of ambiguity about something, then you can then you can make it up. Um, I heard that the Mass Effect three guys were at your talk last year. 
basically all down to you. It's possible. It's possible. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've um, had lots of folks come to my talk, and, and what's great is that once in a while, because I wonder when the talk first starts, I kind of warn people in the audience, this is going to be, you know, a lot of a very core uh, basic stuff. And so if you're a professional writer, this could be a very long day, because you may know, know most of this already. Um, and I've, I've gotten feedback from, people, from writers saying, don't do that. I actually am a professional writer, and I was at your talk, and I still got some really useful stuff out of it. So it never hurts to, to go over the basics again, to rehear them from a different perspective. And then I do talk quite a bit about how we can apply these techniques to uh, game development, which, again, is a, is a challenge because of the, the, the basic challenge of, of, a, of the writer wants to be the author of the story and have control, but the player wants to have control. And so once you start mixing that, that's the, that's the, the core um, conflict within within writing for games is that a writer wants to tell his or her story and the player wants to tell his or her story and where do you where do you draw that line? Um, thank you very much. That's Evan Skolnick. Um, next next on our, our line and you can keep that applause going because it's Kelly Santiago from that game company. <laughs> Kelly, you're you're a you're a surprise to us. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a good way. Yeah, we weren't we, yeah, we didn't believe that you existed. We didn't. We thought you were a, a fiction. Yeah. But uh, it's great to see you. What you know, you're at GDC. You're at our our thing, obviously, and this must be your primary concern. But after us, why did you come here? <laughs> um, so I uh, actually got invited to help curate the Indie Game Summit this year, which has uh, been really cool and getting to meet all the developers there. And for me, I, over the last couple of years, the, the Indie Game Summit has really been like the highlight for me of the entire conference, um, in large part because since it's indies, um, there's just such a transparent flow of information. And of course, with digital distribution, they're becoming their own publishers and distributors and marketers. Um, but they can, you know, talk about what they do and the successes and the failures, I think, in a way that, you know, you can't when you're in a, a large studio and there's a when you're your own legal department, it um, it helps a lot. It's, it expedites the speech-making process. <laughs> so what are the highlights of the festival this year? Uh, well, I, I thought um, Bennett Foddy did an awesome opening to the Indie Game Summit with with his talk on Cooperate uh, and just the, the sort of delight of making your players humiliated, uh, which is not, you know, it's just totally different than something uh, we, we usually do or in our approach at that game company. But it was just so cool to hear sort of, he was such a great voice for that perspective and what, what he loves about it and and advocating for also that, that community community of players. Um, and, and actually, Doug Wilson, who, who you're going to be introducing in a second, <laughs> did a fantastic talk on, on uh, using folk games as inspiration, which um, I really connect with because actually the, the New Games Movement book was super inspiring to me when I found it some nine years ago and pretty much set me on my path to the kind of games that, that I make today. Lee, what were, you, uh, what were you mouthing then? I was just saying that the, the talk that um, Kelly was referring to that Doug did, I wrote up on Gamma Sutra, if you want to read it there. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah. Well, it was relevant. <laughs> I actually wanted to uh, further plug you, Lee, which is uh, you did an awesome uh, post, I think it was on Facebook from the GDC Online conference of like day one conference and day five, where day one was Britney Spears and the baby uh, <laughs> one more time video where she's a little schoolgirl and all fresh faces 
and smiley. And then the last day was her shaved head drunk behind the wheel with like crazy face. It does. <laughs> that last day, yeah. <laughs> but she recovers from that, is the good thing about Britney. She bounces back with a great yeah, album exactly, last year. So exactly. it's, it's it's a good it's a good metaphor. But the I, decline into insanity increases uh, in time every every repetition. And <laughs> <laughs> um, that's Kelly Santiago, everybody. Already introduced in a spoilerific way, it's Doug Wilson from De Goot Fabrique. Did I say that way right? Um, Let's applaud me no. while you correct. <laughs> how, how do you say that? Go on. I, okay, so the, the honest answer is I don't even know. <laughs> So let's define it now. Let's assume okay, that so it was I would say it, uh, Die Gouda Fabrik. Oh, okay. Uh, but, yeah, so I work with um, some Danes and some Germans. But, uh, yeah, I'm a stupid American, so I, I don't really know. <laughs> but evidently not a stupid American, because uh, your talk has already received praise today. Jeez, I don't know. So, that's what, so you've, you've been talking at GDC. How's, uh, how's that going? Was it exciting? Was it terrifying? It was mostly just a blur. Like, just <laughs> think things have been so busy. You just kind of go up, and you've barely slept, and you've been traveling, and really busy, and you just, blah, just think words come out of your mouth, and then suddenly the talk is over, and then you just pray that it went over well. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's really what the experience feels like. Well, apparently it did, because from feedback along this line, you've got a 100%. So I will say, okay, so the thing I'm most proud about is the talk was just a glorified excuse to show this really silly game uh-huh. where you tie move controllers to your butt and wag them around. <laughs> this is true, by the way. It's called, um, it's an installation game we make called Dog the Wag. Um, so yeah, we got to um, get on all fours tie controllers to our butt and wag them in front of this whole audience. That was really um, satisfying. It sounds like you're trolling GDC. <laughs> I think I might have been trolling myself. <laughs> but, yeah, it was and it worked out. Okay, that's yeah. Doug Wilson, everybody. Mm-hmm. Next up on our amazing panel, Dan Pinchbeck. Pin- uh, Dan Pinchbeck, who's creative director at the Chinese Room. <laughs> Uh, so, how's it going, Dan? Have you had a nice day? I have, yeah. I haven't actually been to anything today. I've had that real classic <laughs> GDC experience where these amazing talks are happening around me, and I keep going, have I got to honour? And then someone comes up and says, but we've just got to... And you sort of end up just walking along corridors and stopping occasionally, and then a week later you think, well, that was good. I think I'll go and log on to the GDC vault and actually find out what everyone else <laughs> what were you? What were you hoping to do today, then? Um, I'm not actually sure because I had so much lined on today that I thought I might make it into a talk or two, but it just never happened. So I'm kind of looking at tomorrow and going, um, I'm going to be sat on the, um, the, the IGF stand in the Expo Centre, kind of just watching all these great talks go past me in a blur. Um, and I think just concentrating on staying on my feet and, and making some kind of sense when I talk to people and <laughs> hoping that the machine we borrowed, we don't blow up because it's really expensive and posh and we can't afford to replace it. Who are, who are you most pleased to be bothered by today? Who was I most pleased yeah. to be bothered by? Um, I'm kind of wearing bright orange shoes and um, I kind of got them on a whim just before I came here and I keep getting stopped by random people on the street, everyone from kind of like serious kind of developers, like uh, someone who, who works at Microsoft stopped me and I was like, oh, I like your shoes and I was like, great, just looking at your badge, are you a publisher? <laughs> <laughs> and so everything from that, from sort of, you know, from uh, hobos kind of bumming cigarettes off me as well, they're also saying they like my shoes. So I feel like I have a broad popular appeal here um, and that's been good, it's been very rewarding. So that's our first GDC tip then, if you want, if you, if you interaction orange shoes. Yeah. But you can't do orange now because I'm going to trade Okay. This, obviously, and then I figure I can sue people for more than they'll ever make with my games. How, how do you handle the uh, the badge check? 
Because I find it a very awkward social thing to do, sort of the downward glance to see what someone's saying. Squint at a distance, right? And then slow down while squinting and gradually opening your eyes so you don't just look weird when you get up close and you're still squinting. <laughs> and then you can kind of do a little kind of bob manoeuvre, maybe sort of like figure that you've got to get like your mobile or your smartphone out of your bag when you're close if they're moving slowly enough. Kind of duck down to do that, and you should get a good kind of like idea of who they are at that point. Okay. And then if they are important, look cool and ignore them. <laughs> Okay, that, um, that's... Uh, I, I, I don't know, I can't see your badge from here. So. <laughs> oh, God, that's Dan Pinchback, everybody. <laughs> and finally, for our brilliant, brilliant panel, it's Professor Brian Moriarty, who's Professor at Worcester Polytech. So this is the point where the entire audience leave. <laughs> <laughs> they only came to see you, didn't they? They thought they were seeing you now, gone. <laughs> Downhill from here. Rock star, so they disappointed you. Uh, so, Brian, you encouraged me to say, uh, say the name of uh, Worcester in my very English way, but you would say it... Worcester. 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 Worcester is the... That's how we say it, it in Massachusetts. Is that right, Evan? Well, uh, my, my grandmother was, was raised in Worcester, and I, I was always taught it was Worcester, and I grew up in New England. So maybe it's a little I bit of too. a... Yeah. Fight. <laughs> Our first fight. I didn't know this panel was going to be that controversial. Yeah. <laughs> Settling the important issues of GDC. If you have a Boston accent, they actually say Wista. So. I can, oh, I can, do, a, I can yeah. do a Boston accent. Oh, let's hear it. Well, when I return, Mary Jo and the car will go on. It's very good. Beautiful. Probably too old for most of you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm old enough to be the grandfather of most of the people here, anyway. So, <laughs> so, so Brian, apart from uh, apart from your grandfatherly duties, what brings you to GDC? Uh, well, this year, uh, normally I come to give speeches, uh, industry speeches, because I spent 30 years in the business. Uh, but now I'm in academia. I'm an actual professor of practice, and so I was at the education summit. I gave a keynote speech at the education summit yesterday. Actually. Okay, so um, it, did it go well? I think so. I've got a lot of positive feedback, and, and Gamma Sutra ran a nice article. Uh, was that by Lee? I, I don't know who wrote it. I'm I, not I, sure, actually. I've been too know. busy to read what anyone else is doing. I was very impressed. Doing. The article appeared like an hour and a half after I gave the speech. It's amazing. <laughs> it's an hour and a half. That's slow. <laughs> <laughs> but I was impressed. No. <laughs> so, what, so, so what did you used to do in the, in the, in the, in the industry? Oh, well, I, uh, I've been, as I said, I've been in the industry for... Almost 30 years. Uh, I, I worked at a company called Infocom back in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah. The text adventure yeah. company. <laughs> <laughs> the text adventure, for those of you who are uh, young, <laughs> was a form of game where you would uh, read a line of text and then respond to it by typing a little sentence and we would pretend to understand and we would play a game. And then I worked at a company that Evan works for now, Lucasville. Uh, I did adventure games there in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, with Ron Gilbert and that crowd, uh, and then I worked at a bunch of other companies, started a company during the internet boom in the 90s, and watched that go all the way up and all the way down. <laughs> now I'm in the academy. So what are, what are the positives of uh, working in academia versus uh, working in the video game industry? Uh, three words. Three months off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, academia is very nice because it's very structured. I can tell you what I will be doing two years from now. They, pub they publish the academic calendar for the school two years in advance. I know exactly what I'll be doing every day. I know which class I'll be teaching. I know I won't be working at night. I know I won't be working on weekends. And many times I won't even be working on Wednesdays. <laughs> it's so, so when you get older, it's very, yeah. very appealing compared to what I know these guys go through in the business. Sure. Do you miss it, though? 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. Excellent. Okay, that's uh, Brian Moriarty. So uh, one of the major purposes of us doing this podcast and bringing you guys in today was to find recommendations for tomorrow. So does anyone want to start by recommending a session that we should all attend tomorrow? Sid Meier. What's he talking about? Um, it doesn't matter. He's Sid Meier. <laughs> <laughs> Sid, uh, Sid is the author, of course, of, uh, of Civilization Games. Uh, he's one of the old timers. He's he's been around as long as I have, uh, which means he's very elderly indeed. And uh, and anything he has to say is worth listening to. Uh, he's a very deep thinker, very educated, and uh, talks well. So I recommend you go see Sid Meier. Okay. He Do really appears nowadays. Uh, so. Do we know when that's on? Uh, I think it's in the morning tomorrow morning. Shall we use our schedules to find out? Just, a, just the, the sound of rustling through paper. Yeah, of course, of searching through. I, 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 during GDC, I really learned the benefit of using Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, we, we do our assignments and everything gets slotted into the calendar, and I don't even know what's happening next. Every <laughs> every hour, I look at my phone, and that's how I know where I'm going to go. So he's uh, he's on the game design track tomorrow, uh, eleven o'clock till midday uh, in room three hundred one four West Hall, and the speech is called "Interesting Decisions." Interesting decisions. Sounds interesting. <laughs> it does sound interesting. Is that? I mean, uh, a lot of you, I think, all of you are, are speakers here in some way. Is that the key to uh, making a compelling GDC talk? Is to give it an intriguing title. I tried that and they rejected it. Really? But I had a curse word in my title. Like that. So, yeah. <laughs> Which one? Mime it. The S word. Did you? Like, yeah. the device, you hence the fascination Doing with, ridiculous with butts. blank <laughs> technology. Right. Turns out that wasn't super cool. So I had to give a more academic title. Uh, so. We're trying to make a friendlier yeah. uh, indie, right. yeah. <laughs> kinder, gentler indie. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just uh, maybe maybe actually the the, uh, the counter advice tone tone down your talk title. <laughs> I did leave your original title in your write-up yes. so that people could know what it was if they wanted. Yes. <laughs> I did my title in German this year. So I've been doing it the German thing you do. Mm. So my title talk was titled in German. So, th- so do you think that helped to uh, push it through? Grab, uh, grab people's said attention? Just load, loads of Germans. <laughs> Probably didn't understand it, so they let it go. I don't know. <laughs> um, do we have any other recommendations for people to go and see things tomorrow? Dan, are you talking tomorrow? No, I'm talking on Thursday. I'm, I'm going to be gutted to be missing because I'm missing everything. But there's a, a talk in the morning that the name escapes me about um, the reimagining for Deus Ex Human Revolution, which I'm just a sucker for. So I was, I'm, yeah, deeply annoyed that I'm not going to be able to make that one. But that is, like is that on Thursday or Wednesday? That's tomorrow morning. That's tomorrow morning. Yeah. And the big one tomorrow is the flash forward sessions which uh, start at 9 to 10.30, which is 60 seconds of pretty much everyone who's talking at GDC just kind of like coming out and, and blurting out their 20-minute talks in 60 seconds and then going, have I just given people a complete reason not to attend my talk? <laughs> uh, but that'll be really cool. That'll be very intense. Well, that'll be handy. I was just trying to find out who's up against Sid Meier tomorrow because you'd, well, be, you'd I, be annoyed. Well, I think I actually have a competitive Do you? there. Do Sid Meier, them head to head. Austin Winnery, the composer of Flow and Journey, is right. going to be speaking Sorry, about his experience yeah. with both. Not working, interested. 
<laughs> I'm interested, can't make it. You know, in the old days, the G, I, I have to boast here, I was at the first Game Developers Conference 26 years ago. Whoa. Like, oh, How many people? One of the 30. And, wow. uh, and, uh, and that used to be a big problem in the old conferences where putting up people against it, but now GDC is so enormous that mm. that Sid will be full and every other one will be full too. It's true, yeah. And, and that will be a, that will be a great talk, I'd sort of say anyone. That's, that'll be definitely a really good one because he's fantastic. And Journey came out today, didn't it? On PlayStation it Plus. Did, yes. Yes. Yeah. And a week from today, it'll be available okay. on PlayStation Network. So as it's a, a good. Whole. It's a good so, reason yeah. to go to the Journey Music Talk. Sorry, yeah, yeah, well, sorry, it's also, Sid. Sorry, it's Sid. It's the process of composing on Journey and Andy Schatz's title Monaco, mm -hmm. uh, and so sort of um, how he thinks about composing for games, and I, and I think what's really interesting is using these two games that seem like they couldn't be more different from each other. Yeah, and it's just really cool because I've seen him, I mean, I've worked with him uh, off and on over the last six years and just seeing him really grow as a, as a games composer, um, but also uh, an artist and sort of his ideology on, on interactive music and, and how we should think about it moving forward. Um, One Life Left broadcasts in London on a, a brilliant art station called Resonance 104.4 FM, which this will be going on uh, right now. Uh, if you're listening to it on FM, that's how you're listening to it. <laughs> uh, but Resonance's listenership is not uh, video games hardcore, and so to sort of speak to them a little bit, we, we like to get Anne, who is not part of the video game industry, uh, to choose... Uh, to choose topics, you pick the news stories yeah. every week. Yeah. Um, and you've picked out some talks, haven't you, that I you have. thought looked interesting tomorrow? Yeah, so uh, my recommends for tomorrow are uh, the Game Design Challenge 2012, because it looks like it'll be fun. Lots of people uh, uh, upgrade humanity in 60 seconds flat. Um, Anybody heard of that? Interested in that? <laughs> Actually, we, was, we have I was now. asked to participate this year oh, wow. in that challenge. And are you? I'm leaving tomorrow. Oh. No! So I had to give it up. Maybe oh. we could give you a game design challenge right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because we've been, the, the last six weeks on the, on the radio show, we've been doing a spin-off. Um, we've been doing a quiz where we've had video game pe people from the video game industry in London. They've come in, and the final round of that has been a game design challenge where we give them a random... Uh, game name as generated by a band name generator on the internet and they have to come up with a game and pitch it to Simon and I so if you if you want to play we, we will play the publisher and it'd be like you were back in the industry <laughs> luckily that uh, there are some good people Noah Falstein is yeah. on that he was a colleague of mine at LucasArts as well uh, and Jason Rohrer is back because yeah. he won last year uh, and Eric Zimmerman's running it again I think he's the one who invited me yeah uh, it's always one of my favourite sessions, too. there's one, other, one new person on there. Uh, uh, Rich uh, Lamarchon is oh, also on that. Oh, yeah. fantastic. So that's that should be, really, be good. really good. Yeah, so that's uh, tomorrow, 2 to 3 p.m. Uh, in West Hall. So we, we recommend that. Uh, also, uh, tomorrow is a fireside chat with Notch, which I guess everyone wants to go to. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it'll have a line, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the same time tomorrow, 2 to 3 p.m. Really? Uh, oh. In North it's, Hall. It's so. the same time? Yeah. yeah. And you, oh, you can't oh. recommend two oh. things on at the same time. <laughs> uh, I, I recommend these things to Equally. Twins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Is there going to be an actual fire? I would be disappointed if there wasn't. You can't... Yeah. You can't uh, kind of. Is that actually... Yeah, do yeah. You, so the, how so do you know, Doug? Uh, Are Martin, you just going to set fire to something? No, no, no. Ted Martins, who's a, a really cool graphic designer, had made an interactive fireplace app. It's on the Amazing. App Store, and it's called Fireplace, I think. And it's rad, and you should check it out. And you, you type in commands. I mean, 
old textile, like um, put in wood, kindle, kindle wood. Uh, anyway, uh, he, apparently they'll be showing that application uh, behind them. <laughs> like this is what I hear. That's the word on the street. So there was a fire in the uh, in the uh, game educators rant today. Was uh, <laughs> really? it was uh, a digital fire? On fire <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. Is everyone all right? Yeah. The fifty dollar bill isn't. He was talking about the way. Uh, oh, that was the guy who was supposed to be here. <laughs> and, and of course, the fifty dollar bill in America has, has Grant on it, so Grant money get it. Uh, and then to show how they squandered it, he lit it on fire and put it in an ashtray. And oh. So fifty dollars around what thirty pounds? You couldn't yeah. have done that at the Indie Game Summit because that's like twice the budget for most. Of um, Evan, you've been scouring the program while we've yeah. been talking. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm probably a bit at work a lot of the week here because I, I work here in San Francisco, so it's the double-edged sword of being here but but uh, being busy. <laughs> uh, but I, did, I, I like, you know, I used to be a, a producer in games and a designer at times, and I was I saw it jump around tracks, and I'm hoping to catch a few tr- few talks later in the week. There's a there's a I used to be a producer. There's a production track talk called. Um, on Wednesday called Breaking Your Team's Spirit in Three Easy Steps that I was very interested in. (laughs) Thursday, there's an art one, uh, Shattering the Million Vert Limit, Modeling Your Player Character with Only 800,000 Polygons. I'm not sure it's ever been done before, so I'm I'm curious how they're going to pull that off. And then the programming track on, on Friday, there's a talk called 00101010001. That's a cuss in binary, isn't it? <laughs> I'm hoping it's better than the one from last year that this guy did, which was actually 101. So, Excellent. Anyway, that's what I got. These are the jokes, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what is... I'll probably be at my desk most of this week, but I hope hmm. Well, you'll, you'll be following uh, Lee's excellent write-ups, won't you? Yes. I'd imagine. So what do we imagine Notch is going to be uh, chatting about tomorrow? Are we going to get the opportunity to ask him questions? If so, what would we ask him? How? 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 Yeah. How? And can I have one of your jets? Yeah. We, we should explain to the listeners of Resonance what Sorry. happened to Notch. Anne? What? <laughs> what, what? Why is why is Notch a deal? Uh, Notch is a deal because he made a game. It went really big. It went big. It went it went super big, uh, and now he's really rich. Okay, <laughs> it's a it's a rags to riches story. Not yeah. that well, it's more of a hat to riches uh, yeah. story. Yeah, hat and beard to riches. Um, so so I don't know what I'd ask him. I, I really don't have. Will I, you marry I, me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just. Uh, it's it's a good job you're leaving you tomorrow then, isn't it? I think last year. Did he just get married? Oh, I think he. I think he recently was engaged. I've followed him on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's there's already a, someone in his life. So lucky. Half the women. I don't think no Brian was be being seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but still, could we ask him. Could we say like Minecraft is pretty good, but don't you think you'd have sold a few few more units if you'd had better graphics? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So so th- does that conclude all the things we recommend? Are we are we done with that part of the discussion? Yeah, I, I think, 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 that, think that's it. So is that all that GDC is about? Uh, is it just about the lectures, or is there something more? Doug's shaking his head. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I feel the same way as Dan, uh, especially since they're on the vault. Um, like, it is good to go to talks, of course, because they, they give you something to think about and something to talk about with others. But for me, it's really about the people. And there are just so many people from around the world who you know from online or from previous conferences or previous companies and just catching up with them. So the same way Dan gets stopped in the hall uh, all the time talking to people. I mean, I think that is really the experience and the joy of GDC is catching up with people. So it's just see as many cool people and catch up as much as possible. 
It has a very different um, feel to something like E3, doesn't it? Which seems to be all about willy waving. Uh, whereas, uh, deals. yeah. Deals. Whereas here, it's just people sort of happy to chat and compliment each other's shoes. <laughs> E3 is tacky. So what is that? How's how's it how's it changed though? If you were at the first one, Brian. I mean, how's it how's it evolved over those? The first first one was literally thirty people and crushed into the living room. Whose the idea was it? One, it was Chris Crawford. Right, he was the founder of the conference and uh, one of the one of the pioneers of this industry. And he started the conference in his living room. And then so that was in the spring of nineteen eighty eight, I think. And that was so popular that uh, he he then went to a, a Holiday Inn and had a proper conference. And that had about 150, and that was the best of all of them. Because all anyone who was anyone in the business, many of us had never met before, and so we came together as an as a industry, as a community for the first time. And I met so many people who later became celebrities. Uh, Will, uh, Will Wright, Sid Meier, Trip Hawkins, Dan Ponton, they were all there. Can you tell us any embarrassing stories about those early days? What did they get up to? You'd have to put some more liquor in me before yeah. I <laughs> What happened at uh, previous GDCs, say, at previous GDCs? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there, there have been a number. I haven't been to all of them. There, there are a few people who have been to every one, but I am not one. I missed, I missed a number of them. But, uh, yeah. but there have been some embarrassing uh, <laughs> <laughs> moments and some very moving moments as well. I was privileged to give Dan Button the uh, uh, Lifetime Achievement Award a couple months before she died. And, uh, mm-hmm. So there have been some some highlights over the years, but it's a wonderful show. And meeting people in the halls is and drinking. Let's not forget the drinking. Ah, uh, 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 yes, the drinking. The social life <laughs> is uh, is uh, lively and goes late into the night. Um, it, it did go late into the light, night last night, didn't it, Lee? It sure did. Uh, you, so, so do you want to be our social, uh, our GDC social experts? Oh, yeah, well, What are your top tips for people to have the best time at GDC? Everyone, everyone signs up to the party list, and they want to know about all the engine-sponsored parties and the publisher-sponsored parties. Don't go to those. Get your friends' phone numbers, text them, and start a party somewhere cool. Um, <laughs> my favourite place to drink is the top floor of the Marriott Marquis. Um, it's, you're always going to have a better time if you just meet up with your friends. Every, you know, you might say, oh, like, I can't meet you for dinner because there's this Ubisoft party. And all due respect to Ubisoft, go hang out with your friends, grab someone in the hall and invite them, try to find a big crew and spend time with people. It is not about the sponsored parties. That is my best tip. And that sort of uh, speaks to what Doug was saying as well, that it's very, very important sort of catch-up time, right, with Absolutely. these people who you don't get a chance to see um, all the time. So what did you see last night, Lee? Um, I saw uh, um, I saw Stee uh, enraptured with the uh, playlist of pop songs that I bought on the jukebox. Um, he's grimacing at me. Um, I, okay, I was dancing in a banquet. How's that? Okay, you were dancing very well. I sunk to my knees during like a. See, that was what I did. I did that was what I didn't want you. You know, I didn't know if you'd want me to reveal to everyone, but he was indeed um, praying. <laughs> it, was, um, yeah. it was very exciting, but I think in, in many, you know, it was it was a it was a wonderful night, and that night was made by the fact that we. What well, entrance? <laughs> <laughs> entrance. It was made by the fact that we, uh, you know, we just did exactly what you said, which is we just hung out with our friends and new people as well. So it was a really good opportunity to sort of forge new friendships while you're on your knees to like a prayer. With your, with your regular friends, yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you do if you don't know many people here? You know, you turn up, 
you kind of on your own first time here keep an eye on twitter everyone is so friendly look at twitter at, you know if you see people people will tweet about where they are and what they are doing they will tweet pictures tweet and say you know hi i work at such and such a place mind if i join you know there is sort of i mean maybe there is a, there are some maybe networking skills that are good for gdc if you're new um you know it it's maybe less polite i i, I use the word party foul maybe too liberally but it's kind of party foul to just kind of weirdly attach yourself to people and follow them around without saying, you know, who you are or why they should know you. But if Sorry. You're, and, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and a lot of, a lot of people in, in our community are quite shy or, or, you know, again, you know people from the internet, but it's your first time maybe coming out in the open and, and being face-to-face -face with people. But everyone wants to have a good time. You, you know, look people in the eye, shake hands, say who you are, and, and say, mind if I join you? Or, you know, my friend and I were going to check out this restaurant. You know, maybe we could get a group together. I mean, really, that's the way to do it. Um, you know, my first GDC, I didn't know anyone either, and um, my colleague, Brandon Sheffield, kind of took me under his wing and introduced me to everyone. And now I find I'm the one who can hardly have the conversation in the bar now because I'm getting so many text messages of, where are you, where's everybody? <laughs> like, we're here, we're here, we're here. And then the party arrives. Now, now the party's where I am. And so... And it seems like Dan's got quite a good strategy with the, with the shoes as well that's, yeah, that's, that's counterbalanced by the fact that I'm here with my 8 year old boy so actually sort of like we're going it gets to that sort of time of evening we're up since 5.30 because he's jet lagged and it gets to about this time of night and we start going do you think just go to bed actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where is he now? I don't know he went, <laughs> he went up to the exploratorium I think there, he's at the Ubisoft party <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they, they've made it back downtown but he could be in Oakland by now <laughs> <laughs> Um, we should go back to talking about games for a second. Are there any major themes to this GDC? Anyone? Yeah, I get this. Um, especially since we have Dan sitting next to us. I think it's, I think it's nice to see the definition of game expanding um, past this obsession with mechanics and rules and systems. And so Dan sitting here uh, made a brilliant game. He's too modest to tell you this. Oh, man. Dear Esther. And... You know, some people have argued that maybe we should not consider it as a game because there aren't really clear goals or mechanics. You, you walk around a beautiful 3D island and there's um, bits of uh, spoken text, memories. Uh, it's kind of unclear what's going on, but this mysterious, fragmented story. And it's really about enjoying and soaking up the story. And, then, and there's a few games at the Independent Games Festival like this. Um, Proteus is one of the most emotionally um, affecting games I've ever played. Uh, it's, again, another exploration game without real goals. Um, to the Moon is basically a game-slash-interactive story. So to me, it's really gratifying that we're accepting all of these experiences into the big tent of games. Going with what you said, do you also agree that there's um, a decreased emphasis on tech as well? Like, versus, you know, I, I think for a while people were obsessed with simulating reality better. And now I'm really seeing interesting games come out of people's willingness to embrace um, constraint or use technology as you would a musical instrument. So rather than trying to have the best tech, you, you use the tech that you're most comfortable with and do creative things with the constraints that you're given. Yeah, bingo, absolutely. Proteus is a game that's like, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's very pixelated, it doesn't, but it's beautiful um, for the way that it sort of communicates that spiritual heritage of, of lo-fi. Um, I think we're, we're having a diversity of, of creativity because um, people are being creative with um, tech, tech constraints rather than being obsessed with surmounting them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I mean, at the Independent Game Festival this year, it's also most of the games are either practically finished or already commercially distributed, which 
is kind of unheard of, I think, in previous IGFs, and that just the bar keeps getting raised every year. Um, and again, I think it, what's so cool about that is it's also diversifying. It's not just, okay, we have the best finished game. That's sort of like a lot of other games that are out there. On, on indie games, um, I guess how I would have define them aren't they in danger of becoming like actual proper games these days <laughs> <laughs> but they are aren't they i mean like they, they are they are they are becoming so good and so polished that that, that the the definition is what is to create by small teams not the major publishers is that what makes an indie game these days oh no you asked that question <laughs> yeah well no, no one has an answer really quiet now i think i think it's really interesting that you're seeing kind of like like I was um, on, on Twitter the other day and I went to follow Insomniac who made Resistance 3, which is like, you know, you walked around kind of like London like last year and there were like 50,000 foot billboards everywhere, kind of like millions of dollars of publishing money. And you go onto their Twitter feed and they're like, Insomniac is an independent games company. And you're thinking, wow, you guys are in yeah. indie gaming has really kind of gone through the roof now. I think what's really cool that we're seeing at the moment is there's kind of like a spirit of, of, of the way you make games and approach to the way you make games, which is really, you don't, uh, there's kind of like a real no-holds-barred creativity. There's a passionate belief in what you do that you're not willing to compromise. And there's an incredible diversity of different types of games within that. And it kind of goes from, you know, like we're at the, um, in the Expo Hall, we're next, you know, we're next door to Doug, so we've kind of got people like with headphones on trudging in a really depressed way around Scotch <laughs> Island. And Doug has people rolling around the floor wrestling each other and screaming. And these are both indie games. These are both really successful indie games. And you go around the indie pavilion, and it's not just that you have this incredible diversity, and it's not just that you have this incredible unwillingness to compromise people's visions. But on top of that, what we're seeing now is major commercial success. But it's not just this kind of... I'm, you know, I, I, I live off pop noodles in, in my mum's spare room. These are people making a really good living, and these are proper kind of businesses. And if you can actually do that, where you can have successful business models whilst never compromising your games, whilst having amazing diversity, it's kind of no wonder that like the Indie Game Summit is is growing in terms of now. It's like you go to those sessions, like you go to Monday, and it always used to be you go to an indie session, it'd be like, okay, hi, hi, it's the same four of us, <laughs> and they're absolutely packed because people are saying this is not just about kind of ideas and this amazing stuff. This is about ideas and amazing stuff and a really way in which I can kind of make a good living and do the stuff I want. And everyone's really happy to talk in real detail about the kind of real warts and all process of being in that. And that's such an unusual combination in any business. So I think it's, I think it's, it's, I think independent gaming is, is not just in terms of its general growth, but it's becoming so important at GDC. It's not this kind of ghettoised thing anymore. And is it the growth of the games industry in general that's allowed us to do that? Because now niche is a sort of a, a valid market. You can find people who are interested in gaming and like the same sort of things. But it that kind you of goes are. back. It goes right back to the early history of gaming, where you look yeah. back at kind of like you know the original kind of home gaming scene in like the eighties. And frankly, mm. everyone was an indie developer, and everyone was developing <laughs> games in their back bedroom. And you know your way of getting distributed was you, you know, you recorded it onto a C sixty cassette, stuck it in an envelope, and posted it off to the other two people in the world that were, <laughs> that were doing it. And it's kind of it's. I think it's ingrained in gaming culture. It's not a surprise that we're going that indie's really really popular because most of us who are kind of old enough to remember that kind of first wave, that's kind of how we grew up playing games and now we're the people making games you know we're kind of doing something which is spiritually the kind of stuff we were doing when we were kids I think we've we've often said a lot on, on, on the radio that a lot of our audience don't know anything about games but they'd find games more interesting if they were what I think 
this panel understand games to be rather than like the resistance billboards but how do you bring those games to the attention of, of an audience who think that gaming just means killing things well, I mean, I think digital distribution and the accessibility of the technology and the ease uh, with which you can access games and the types of people who are playing them. I mean, I think it's it's happening, and uh, the it, you know independent game development co community has been able to respond to that very quickly. Um, and, and I think that's what is also really feeding this ecosystem of different kinds of games because those people who Thought, I mean, I, I, I always think there's there's no such thing as someone who's not a gamer. It's just someone who hasn't found a game that they've liked yet, which has been possible because the spectrum of emotions and what's been communicated in games in the past has been so narrow, and now it's diversifying, and now people are realizing, oh, hey, you know, I actually like playing this as well, and this speaks to me. Um, and, uh, and, and it's really exciting to me because I remember being at GDC uh, five, six years ago, it, w it was not that long ago that um, even the people who were playing casual games online and in, in their browsers were actually dismissed as not being gamers themselves. Uh, and even though they were paying good money for to, to play things that I'm pretty sure are considered games. So that the concept of that is, is really shifting as well, which... Um, which is just you know, making everything so much more awesome. Okay, good. Good. Mm. <laughs> it's just a, a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. Everyone, was, everyone along the line was just nodding. It's, all, it's a bit hypnotic. It's remarkable because there's been enormous acceptance of these indie games among the community. Like what happened mm -hmm. to you with, uh, with Esther? I mean, you put the thing up on Steam and it made its investors money back in a few hours. Yep. <laughs> it was yeah. amazing. I bought it myself. <laughs> Thank you very it. much for buying it. My, Thank my you, pleasure. everyone. People my pleasure. And, uh, and it's just wonderful that uh, something as, as curious as Esther can be a kind of a minor hit. Yeah, and I, and I think what was so awesome about that is, you know, Steam is a, challenge, a, a channel run by Valve, a company that does Half-Life, Portal, like games that are pretty hardcore in their nature. Um, and and yet that 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 same audience is the one coming out in droves to purchase an experience like Dear Esther. So the definition of who a gamer is is just com, you know completely different today than than it was. I mean I think it's always been the same, but hopefully we're showing now um, that it's true that people want different kinds of experiences. I think we're evolving finally away from the eddy of games and going into what I call transludic experiences Whoa. such as Esther yeah. things that are <laughs> that things that are uh, as as the uh, as the uh, tale of tales people call them, not games well but, but use the technology in in novel interesting new ways yeah I, I of course you could play the definitional game forever um, for me I love calling all these things games and I think it is sort of a, like a political move like there is this uh, machinery of the games industry and the independent games festival so for me the taking this term that has power around it and broadening it to get as many different types of like you know, musicians and sculptors and artists and trying to bring all sorts of new creative energies into this term is a really powerful move. So, I mean, uh, respect to the, you know, the tales of tales people and, and what they're doing, but I'm totally happy to call uh, Dear Esther a game and it's a great game and I, and I recommend it. So. Yeah, we call it a game. I mean, I don't, I don't have any. We didn't have. I mean, when we made it, we didn't have any agenda about challenging games or anything like that. We just wanted to make something cool that people would like, um, and that's it. 
and kind of now sort of like we, there's been kind of like bits in terms of kind of discussions online of people going yes but is it a game or isn't it a game they come to you and go I don't care if it's a game yeah, do you like it that's it do you yeah. like it are people buying it forget it you know leave kind of those kind of discussions to the professors to the professors <laughs> kind of for us, it's kind of like, are we going to be able to pay our mortgage next month? But, but, yeah. but was, was, was there ever any doubt in that, that you were going to... I mean, did, 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 in your minds, was it always going to be a success? Because people seem to be surprised. They're going, well, it made its money back in the first couple of hours, as if it was, like, unusual, or it sort of came from nowhere. But did you, you guys obviously had confidence in it. Have you been surprised by its success? Well, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were confident. We were confident that, um, we were confident that it was good. And we kind of got to a point where we thought, this is really good, and we've made the best thing we can, and we can draw a line and release this, and it'll be good. But in terms of sales, no, not at all. We thought, we hoped we'd break even. We hoped that we would make enough money to have justified not drawing a salary for the time it took to develop it. But no, it completely took us by surprise. It took us about four days to get down from the ceiling, which is <laughs> insane. I mean, at one point, we were sort of there. You can look on the... Um, on the Steam charts, they have the shop thing, they tell you what the, the top sellers are, and three days later, I mean, I know it's been out for a while, and you know, but you kind of get going, we're still out selling Skyrim. Great! <laughs> <laughs> and then you start going, wow, shouldn't more people be playing Skyrim? It must be pretty gutted they've been outsold by this kind of weird indie game. But that was, you know, little things like that, I think, as a gamer, and if you've been a gamer all your life, you kind of, on one hand, there were the kind of the figures, and we were going, you know, this is great, this is fantastic. And the game room, we was just going, I don't care, I don't care. We're outselling Skyrim, we're outselling Wolfenstein, we're outselling the games that I play all the time and think are cool. It was just brilliant. Sorry, I was just, I was just making a note of former psych rock band called Transludic Experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just can't forget that. Um, so, we, so we've dealt with the major themes of this conference, but I think our listeners will be interested to know what the major themes of next year's conference are going to be. Where, is, where are video games going, and uh, what can we expect to see at GDC in 2013? Who wants to go first? <laughs> Everyone's lent back yeah, away exactly. from the mines. Is this where we start talking about karaoke? <laughs> I, I would be happy if GDC 2013 is all about uh, karaoke. So, and maybe we'll start that tonight. Yeah. Um, Doug? Yeah, I, I think in the indie world, I would... Uh, I think Dear Esther is maybe the tip of the iceberg, but I would love to see more writing, uh, more storytelling, and indie games specifically. Uh, so a lot of us grew up with you know, JRPGs and adventure games, and... You know, for a lot of reasons, you don't see that as much in the independent games mm-hmm. world. And I think that's a giant kind of promised land that people are going to start pairing up with writers and they're going to start figuring that out. And, you know, like stories aren't, of course, aren't, like, story-rich games aren't the only games that should be made. But mm-hmm. I think the independent games community has maybe um, lost sight of that a little bit. And some, some cool indies are going to make an amazing story-based game and I cannot wait to play it. So what, what, what narrative would you have on your move game that's where you stick it, con- <laughs> controllers up your butt? Yeah, that's a difficult question. I'm not sure I'm the, the right person. Well, maybe you should attend the masterclass next year, presumably. <laughs> I see yeah. a lot of people looking at the, um, you know, the convergence of uh, social media and how we can connect to uh, other individuals, but also groups of people online and the the... Play the possibility of play there, and uh, it seems like there are people who are going to be working on projects in that space, and and so I hope um, I don't know, I'll be just I'll be interested to see what they come up with. I'm I'm just trying to find out what startup company to make at the moment so I can <laughs> I can attach because because uh, I know these you know these these themes always happen so some you know a few years ago it'd be the the Facebook GDC where everyone's getting excited about that and maybe next year it will be the 
Friendster. GDC. Is Friendster still alive? I don't know. Mm. Not anymore. Bebo. I don't know. MySpace is coming back. Is it? Okay, so so that's that's your carp. LinkedIn. You're going for the MySpace GDC in 2013. I think we could genuinely see a a serious focus in, if not the next GDC, but the one after, where where actually independent gaming is going to form a really central plank, but there won't even be a need for an independent game summit because Mm -hmm. it'll be shot through the entire conference. Mm. And I think things like. um, uh, Tim Schafer's Double Fine making sort of $40 billion and enough money to buy Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, just going forward to that. He get notched to build it from his. <laughs> but uh, and that kind of thing as well. Of this sense of, of more studios going, you don't have to make ten million dollars to make a really good living. In which case, you don't have to risk twenty million dollars to make the ten million dollars. And I think those kind of lessons are filtering down. The kind of studios that were very, very big are breaking up, breaking smaller, and it just feels like the time. It's come for independent gaming, not just creatively, but as a business model as well, that's suddenly looking very attractive compared to how rocky a lot of big industry is. And I kind of think, hopefully as well, that what's going to happen next year is you won't be able to give a talk without having a move controller tied to your butt. (laughs) (laughs) It was an awesome moment in GDC history. It should be repeated. Good. Well, I, I, I think I'm out of questions for GDC 2012. Yeah, I think we've learned a lot. Uh, before we go, have you got any um, piece of advice for people who are attending GDC for the first time, a bit of crucial information that you think will help them see out their first conference? For example, I would like to ask for the native uh, San Franciscans. <laughs> where they are. Um, yeah, like this city terrifies me. Is it, is it, is it scary or not? I just, um, like, just... What's scary? The city. I, it just, there was a man arguing with himself as I was walking down here. <laughs> a man fighting with himself, did, I saw. Did you feel the earthquake uh, a couple No, of I, only, I only flew in two hours ago. That's why I can barely talk yeah, today. Yeah, earthquake... Um... I, I, I saw. You know, I was I was slightly envious that I wasn't here for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can tell a lot about your own self about how you deal with an you know a crisis like that. It was the first earthquake that I've ever felt, and I was surprised to find that I just put a pillow over my head and said, <laughs> I want it to stop. Did you? And it did. So okay. there we go. So first of all, so earth, earthquakes very easy to deal with. Um, yeah, the crazy people in San Francisco are they? They're they're they're, they're fine, are they? Are they the ones hand, hand, handing out Angry Birds t-shirts? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a big city yeah. like, like all big cities you, you have a, you know, a mixture of people all kinds of different people so yeah, I, I think if you're not familiar with the city it's good to you know, be with someone who is or not just wander off someplace where you don't know where you're heading okay. like that's, that's good advice in any big city right. I've only lived here for six months but I've been here for every GDC for the last six or seven years so yeah it's, um, it's Unfortunately, say that kind of thing, but it's it's a city. So, what's the what's the one piece of advice you'd give to someone attending their first GDC? It depends. It really depends on what your main goals are for coming. I think people come with different uh, goals, when, you know, when they're here. And, and we've talked about you know going to, to to presentations. We've talked about networking. We've talked about being with friends, reconnecting with friends. And so, I think that really depends on you know what your main goals are. Mm-hmm. I think what really surprised me the first time I came to GDC is just the, the, the willingness to open up and share how we're solving the challenges of, of what we do in, in a public space, or at least a semi-public space. I just, I've never seen that before. Other industries you see people holding on to their trade secrets and not letting anyone know how they're doing what they do. Well, that's, what and, and, that's what E3 is like. Mm. Right, exactly. exactly. And, that's, and, and, and so um, I think that, that it's just, it's, it stunned me and it, it humbled me and I wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, as a, as, a, as a writer especially, I know that the, you know, often a writer is the only writer on a team if there even is a writer on the team. And they, we kind of, you know, uh, 
we, we have our, 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 our battles to get what we want to have happen with the game, like everyone does. And we're kind of usually alone with that and, and those, and those uh, challenges. And so GDC and, and, and GDC Online in Austin with, with the Writers' Conference, it's where we kind of come together and, you know, have a beer and share war stories and, <laughs> and figure out how, how we're going to you know, make things better and better. So, but bottom line is I think it depends on what your main reasons are for coming and then based on that, you know, Mine is mostly dancing to like a prayer, and that <laughs> seems to have been achieved. Lee, Lee, what would you recommend someone coming to GDC for the first time does? Well, I recommend that um, about a week before you fly, you undertake a campaign to gradually increase your liquor tolerance. And I'm only half joking. Like, you know, if you don't really drink, you should sort of practice before you come. Because, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because, because um, I mean, I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious, but. Um, Personally, I like to party well into the night, and that, for me, is some of the big fun at GDC. As Doug mentioned, sometimes we get to see, sometimes for some of us, this is the only time of year um, that we get to see friends and colleagues, and it's wonderful to have feverish late-night conversation with your heroes over beers. I mean, there are moments at GDC that only happen in, in those situations, and, you know, you don't have to get wasted. I was mostly joking about that, but... Um, be ready. Be be ready to be social because you'll you'll have some unforgettable times. Um, again, with with friends you might only see once, or with people you've wanted to meet for your whole life. Kelly, same question. Um, well, uh, it was interesting. I was at a conference last week, and uh, Brene Brown, who uh, has done a lot of research, uh, did a really um, famous talk on vulnerability. Was talking about how actually after she did that talk. Um, she had a vulnerability hangover um, from just sort of like exposing her inner workings. Um, and it, de- it definitely resonated for me. I think a process, you know, we are here and, and so everyone's so giving of themselves and sometimes alcohol can really uh, grease those wheels. Exactly. Um, so I would say kind of pace yourself and really respect how you're feeling. I think the great, one of the, one of the great, many great things about Game Developers Conference is that you're a game developer you know, you're among very many kindred souls. And so, you know, bring your little bag of cards or bananagrams. You know, people, that, that to me is like, I, when I'm kind of feeling burnt out, I like to uh, sort of just engage with people and, and play a game. Brian, if you're an academic coming to the video games industry's hub, GDC, uh, what, what should you do? What should you expect? And, and what should you try and achieve in that week? Well, you know... Um San Francisco is not a cheap city, unfortunately. Uh, so, so one should come prepared for that. Okay. Uh, this is a problem for academics who generally don't make a lot of money, uh, <laughs> unlike rich indie developers. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but San Francisco itself, the city is. I lived here for 13 years myself. It's endlessly fascinating and beautiful place, and there are many wonderful hidden corners and strange little bars and restaurants and many historic places as well. The Fillmore Auditorium is here, uh, and there's just so many landmarks and things to see, and, and the greatest tiki bar in the world is here. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yes, the, up, up in the Fairmont. Uh, it's, it's, Lee, make a note. Yeah. Okay. okay. The Tonga Room. <laughs> it has, the Tonga Room has, a, has a, a pool and an island on the pool. And there's a little Japanese band that plays tinkly synthesizer music, and every half hour it rains. I'm sold. There's a, there's a thunderstorm. I'm sold. Uh, it's, it's awesome. Doug, what's the what's the best thing that you've done at GDC ever? Probably tying move controllers to my butt and playing <laughs> yeah. that in front of an audience of hundreds. You really of like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And, and Dan, if you could give a GDC goer one piece of fashion advice, I would what say would it be? Um, it's very imperative that you go online immediately to www.thechineseroom.co.uk, <laughs> where we have our very own special branded line of orange shoes. I guarantee you, will make you stand out in any crowd of drunk people that shout at themselves on the streets and are otherwise quite scary. I can see those shoes, and I'm not even looking at them. <laughs> These shoes can be seen from space. I'm telling you, it's the marketing tool for 2013. You should hold them up for the audience. Oh. Very flexible, Dan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, amazing work, everybody. I think we've concluded our, our, uh, our discussion of uh, today's GDC. This will be going up immediately on Gama Sutra, won't it, Lee? Uh, yes, immediately. <laughs> we're going to be working that out, and then we're going to be going to find a tiki bar, one assumes. Uh, and we have karaoke tonight. Or some new shoes. And we have, uh, we have karaoke as well. <laughs> So, thank you so much to all of our panel uh, today, to Evan, to Kelly, to Doug, to Brian, to Dan, and of course to Lee. We have been One Life Left, and we'll be back on tomorrow lunch. Tomorrow lunchtime, bottom of the escalators. You won't be able to avoid <laughs> us. You'll see us, and you'll just have to keep coming. Okay, see you. See Bye. Bye. Francisco was produced for Resonance 104.4 FM. The executive producer was Chris Graft. <laughs>